You're listening to a sermon from our pastor, Brian Payne. We would love to have you worship God with us this Sunday at 1045 in the morning and at six o'clock in the evening as we make, nurture, and equip disciples of Jesus Christ in Auburn and throughout the world. Well, good evening. If you would turn in your Bible, we'll be in just one little verse for a few moments tonight as we kick off prayer week. Luke 11, we're going to be looking at verse 3. Let me ask the Lord to bless this week in the preaching of the word. Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that we do have access to you because of the all-sufficient work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can say in him, nothing compares to you, Lord. And we say it by the Spirit. And Lord, as we begin this week, we pray for our prayer week, that this would be a critical and strategic week in the history of Lakeview Baptist Church. We pray that you would do what only you can do and that we would stand in awe. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we were on the plane about to head to London on Monday evening, January the 2nd, and I got a, a few people sent me a video of Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, who barely hit uh, the guy running the ball. In fact, a coach would probably say, you need to explode on the guy. And then he fell out. And turns out uh, he had a cardiac arrest. Of course, we had to wait till we got to London before we even knew uh, his condition. But... It caused the NFL to suspend the Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati's Beagles game. Bills team chaplain said later, Lynn Vandenboss, he told Baptist Press that from the moment Hamlin hit the turf, Vandenboss has witnessed a unifying desire for prayer among players, um, fans, and even media. Of course, that's not to say that all who've prayed are born again. We, we recognize that. But it does show us that, that in a, a fallen world, even the strong, the apparently strong, will eventually get knocked to their knees. Even the most ardent unbeliever shows in these times that they intuitively recognize their need for God. In fact, Vanderbilt says that since that night, uh, there has been an increasing openness to pray among players on the Buffalo Bills, even those who, who do not confess to be believers. Why? Because the veil has been removed, at least for a moment. We aren't as self-sufficient as our health and prosperity and apparent strength deceives us to believe. Now, Christians know this as a rule. That's why we're Christians. Um, as Vandenbos adds, when DeMar went down, a lot of us began to pray right away. We have a strong core of players and coaches who are followers of Jesus. So that was our immediate reaction. Now, in a very real sense, um, the believer's immediate reaction 
had been to pray the part of the kingdom prayer that we're looking at tonight. Verse 3 in our passage. Uh, now this prayer is divided into two parts. We, we have looked at the first part. Uh, the first part concerns God's name. It concerns his, his, his kingdom, uh, his glory. But now we come to the second part of the prayer. And it concerns our needs. And the order matters. The order matters. Unless God is properly in his rightful place in our lives, our perception of our needs will be disoriented. But when I am consumed above all else with jealousy for God's name, his reputation, his glory, uh, it, it changes my perception of my needs. That's the way it works. John Piper points out in wartime, people think and act differently than in peacetime. The papers carry stories about the troops as they did in World War II. Families get together and they don't talk about things that people talk about in peacetime. They talk about their sons who are on the front lines. They pray. Their prayers are fervent. The whole nation is focused on the war effort. And then Piper applies this to prayer. So what is prayer for? For war and wartime, not for civilian life. The primary reason prayer malfunctions in the hands of believers is their insistence on trying to take a wartime walkie-talkie and turn it into a domestic intercom. A tool made for tanks and trenches won't work when you install it in your yacht or the lake cabin or the second or third or fourth car. Only with this mentality are we prepared to focus on our needs as we bring them to the Lord. Else we will have the wrong perception of them. With that said, as we come to this third petition, we've seen the first, it's a, that we are to pray, hallowed be your name. We've seen the second, we are to pray, your kingdom come. As we come to this third petition, we are going to see here that the Father cares not only for the clouds of heaven, if you will, but for the nitty gritty, the, the trials and the troubles that, that we experience on an every, everyday basis. So that brings us to the one point tonight, and we'll be brief in this message, but it's an important point. Kingdom prayer is a desperate, a dependent prayer. Verse 3, look with me. Give us each day our daily bread. So the first two requests focus on God's glory, right? His name and his kingdom. This request focuses on our good. The first set of requests on God's glory. The last set of requests on our good. As we're going to see here, our provision. As we're going to see in the fourth request, our pardon. And in the last request, which we'll look at in two weeks, our protection. 
This is an invitation. This one request, verse 3, to bring all our needs to the Father. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. But what does Jesus mean here by bread? Now, at face value, to, to, to those of us in, in the West, such a request may seem unnecessary. Um, you can just drive down to the, to the market and purchase bread. I had a uh, Ghanaian pastor friend tell me that's the difference between Ghanaians and Americans. We, he said, we have to actually pray for this or we're going to starve. You, you can drive down to the market. So what does Jesus mean here to pray for something we already have or most of us have? Well, to get at what Jesus is saying here, we need to consider what he means by bread. Now, there are, get this, over 200 references to bread in the Bible. You could do an entire systematic study of bread. Bread was a term, though, that had two overarching uses. In, in the Bible. First of all, it was the chief food in the ancient Near East. It was, a, it was the staple food. Um, but as such, it, became, it came to be used metaphorically to refer <clears throat> to every physical and material need that an image bearer has in a broken world. So bread was comprehensive in that sense. Let me give you one example. The prodigal son in the far country, remembers that his father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. Of course, he means obviously more than just physical food. It, uh, they have everything that you need physically and materially to make it in life. And so that's one way the, the term was used. And so this aspect of the prayer requires that you see yourself as needy. That's the prerequisite. You need to see yourself as needy. And it's hard to do that when you're healthy, wealthy, and entertained. But to be honest with you, uh, we can't control. We have no control on all the things that, me, that need to be controlled in order for us to make it in life. I can't control everything that I need to control in order to get a job, to keep a job. I can't control everything that needs to be controlled in order for my family to stay healthy and safe. And so to pray this is to confess to the Lord, I am utterly, comprehensively, exhaustively dependent on you for my physical and material well-being. This is a, a prayer birthed by an awareness of your real need. But secondly, bread in the Bible was also used to represent spiritual needs. So this, this aspect of this prayer can't be separated from the first request, magnify, hallowed be your name. They're related. Nor can it be separated from the remainder of Luke, which, by the way, as we said this morning, finds its focus on the cross and the resurrection. That's why this request has both a material and a spiritual component. For example, 
in Luke, if you were to study Luke, the last time we read about bread is when Jesus multiplied the bread. He, he multiplied the fishes and the loaves in Luke chapter 9. And it says in verse 16 of Luke 9, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. Notice the verbs there, taking, thanking, breaking, and giving. Those very verbs are used later in Luke 22 at the institution of the Lord's Supper. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Same words. Same order. He's saying that the bread that he multiplied, that he broke, that he multiplied and he distributed, pointed to the Lord's Supper where he took the bread, he broke it, and he distributed it, which pointed to his cross. Now, that's very important for us. Luke is making a connection. Ultimately, the Lord's Supper reflects that Jesus most essentially provides for us by dying and having his own body broken for us. So this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is a prayer that looks to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for each day. Now let me close here with why this request, particular request, is important for us. First of all, by praying with faith for this prayer, this particular request, give us each day our daily bread, it fosters a spirit of contentment. This is key to contentment. Do you struggle with contentment? Well, this is key to fostering contentment in your life. Richard Koken, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, tells about a, a, a friend of his who was a businessman a Christian businessman who, who innocently lost all of his wealth in the Enron scandal. And here's what his friend said. I have repeatedly acknowledged to God that my wealth comes from him. I've asked him if at any point he thought it would be spiritually better for me not to have it, he would please take it away. I trust that this is what he has done and I'm content with that. So this prayer fosters contentment that God is sovereign over your physical and material provision. It also cultivates humility. Most of us are affluent relative to the rest of the world. And I've said this before, but most of us are affluent compared to most to kings in previous history. I mean, kings didn't have electric, electricity in their homes. They didn't have smartphones. They didn't have cars. They couldn't just get on a plane and fly across the world in, in a day or two days. We have access to things that kings in previous history do, did not have. This tempts us to self-sufficiency. Oh, self-sufficiency is an enemy to prayer. 
It, it tempts us to that, but, but this particular request corrects that. Why? Because you're tempted to think that you don't need God. And this prayer humbles us. Uh, it says, Lord, if, if you don't give me my daily bread, I won't have it. And whatever we have comes from you. Promotes humility. Third, it also teaches us generosity. Now, where do I get that from? Notice, give us this day our daily bread. Besides the fact that the counter prayer, the, the, the sister prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, Mark 6, neither one of these prayers has first person singular. It's first person plural. The assumption is, and this is so hard for Americans to, to grasp because we're so individualistic, and individualism has benefited us in many ways, but not spiritually. The burden in Scripture is on corporate prayer. Notice, it doesn't say, give me each day my daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. That's what you see in the Lord's Prayer as well. The emphasis in the Scripture on prayer is on corporate prayer. And that's not to say you don't pray individually and personally, you do. You can't help but pray when the Holy Spirit lives in you. But the emphasis is on corporate prayer. That's why we have prayer week. It's not just to make you busier. We're seeking to be faithful to what Scripture says about the emphasis on corporate prayer. But what it also teaches me is that I am not independent from you. I'm interdependent. And so I might be the means by which God provides daily bread to my brother. All right? And so this teaches me generosity. When I come to church and we pray and I hear about the needs for the nations to hear the gospel, I recognize I might be part of the means by which the nations hear the gospel through sacrificial giving to various mission enterprises such as Lottie Moon. This produces generosity. Fourth and finally, it cultivates gratitude. This aspect of the prayer cultivates gratitude. James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Uh, do you have a spouse? It's a gift from God. Do you have children? Gift from God. Do you have health? Gift from God. Do you have a job? Are you safe? Do you have means? Do you have friends? Do you have a brothers in Christ? Do you have sisters in Christ? It's a gift from God. This aspect of the prayer, it promotes, it cultivates gratitude. And do you know what grateful people do? They hallow his name and they become kingdom-centered. Let me close with this quote from Mark Knoll and then... How will be up. Many moments of unusual faithfulness can be found in the Christian past, both recent and ancient. It is important to note, however, that even when such moments turned out to make a dramatic difference for later history, they almost always resulted 
from gratitude to God rather than a desire to influence the future. Do you see that? That many of God's people who have turned the world upside down, they weren't trying to turn the world upside down. They were just responding in gratitude to what God had done for them, providing them daily bread, physical, spiritual bread. And their faithfulness, their response in gratitude ended up changing history and impacting the world for the kingdom of Christ. That's our prayer as we begin this prayer week. Hal said, I am praying for God to do something that only can be explained by God himself. Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace to us. Thank you that you have given us our daily bread. And you will continue to do so. Because you're faithful to your promises in the Son of God. We pray that this week would be life-changing for us all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time, or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.